What's up, everybody, and welcome to Gaming History 101, the Retro Video Games Podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Fred Rojas, and in what has definitely not been a tough night with technical difficulties, <laughs> I have joining me none other than uh, than uh, fellow podcasters from the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. I have Chip Sella and Andy Urquhart, or better known as Chip, Agent Urquhart and... <laughs> Colonel. Colonel. So, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> chaos, you. Colonel Chaos. Fuck this it. is what happens when you bring in the Costa Rican armored police. <laughs> what is going on, Agent boys? Rojas. Agent of crap. <laughs> How are you guys doing tonight? <laughs> Never let a third world country run an op. That's it. <laughs> Chip's like, I got enough indecencies in my life, and now this fucker's doing this shit show. <laughs> Uh, how you doing? <laughs> All right. Excellent. Uh, well, Chip, you had started to uh, tell everyone in the chatters before I turned on the recording, so I figured we'd oh. back up for a sec. <laughs> Tonight's show is about uh, old school Marvel games, and why is that? Well, that's because two weeks ago we did the first live Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast right here on AllGames.com. It was an awesome Friday night with you, with Agent Rojas, Agent Urquhart, and myself. And we talked about uh, Marvel video games that were available now because our audience is probably different than the usual all games audience in that a lot of people don't aren't, aren't the hardcore gamers that we deal with here. So what we did was here are games you can go and find for your various systems right now. And then you and I had said, well, we should do a Gaming History 101 talking about the old school Marvel games. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think it's a great idea, and I'm glad we're doing it, and uh, and and so that's what tonight's about. And uh, I'm sure there's a handful of games, especially some of the re-releases of uh, of games that were released. But uh, when you look back through time, surprisingly enough, there weren't a whole heck of a lot of games initially uh, developed for superheroes. Um, I have a, a two-fold theory on this. The first one. Uh, definitely being that I think it was a little difficult for them to create the worlds and something that wasn't just a kind of standard either, not even a beat 'em up because they predate the beat 'em up genre, but like something that's kind of be could be arcadey or platformy uh, when that doesn't really work for most heroes. You know, some heroes you can get away with it, but um, and then obviously uh, the second problem is LJN had the license for them for a long time. They had the Marvel license and LJN makes shitty games. <laughs> So, which we will talk about very soon, but uh, but anyway, uh, well, without further ado, do you want to just jump right the fuck into it? Let's do it. Okay, and I'm kind of goofy tonight uh, because I've had a hell of a day uh, and I broke my phone, so I apologize. I will probably swear more than normal because uh, that's what I do as a defense mechanism. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, without further ado, so. First and foremost, I think the number the, the earliest game on record came out the year of my birth, 1982, um, was Spider-Man on the Atari 2600. Now, has anybody played this game? Yes. Yeah, I have too. How about you, Andy? Oh no, I, uh, I was main, I was minus three when that when that came out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might have uh, caused you to just like crawl out of the womb just to throw the controller at the TV and crawl back in. Um, <laughs> It's Fred, Fred, you you gotta understand something. I mean, as you said, this is this came out the year you were born. 
for those of us that have been playing games at that point for, you said 1982? Mm-hmm. So for those of us that have been playing games for six or seven years, i.e. the birth of the home system, Spider-Man wasn't that bad. No, and you know what? I'm giving it more shit than it deserves because it's actually, and especially as a game, uh, the the publisher was Parker Brothers, (laughs) just so people know. But it was an internally developed Atari game chip, and you are correct there. And uh, in as much as what they could do at the time, it was not only... A pretty cool idea. Again, I just don't think Atari games hold up nowadays, uh, regardless of unless there's some nostalgia built into them. But um, but you're right. I mean, it it was it was uh, it was a basic game where you were Spider-Man. You would crawl up a building to get to Green Goblin at the top, and um, and you I shoot webs. You could web swing. You could web swing. Um, and didn't it work kind of like it almost feels like a vertical Frogger to me. Where you're kind of dodging you know, dude, obstacles it, it, left and right. It's been 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> and? No. <laughs> the, 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 those brain cells are long past 30. Uh, you know, I'm... Okay, 82, well... I, I was getting into other things other than video games. You know, starting to get into other things in video games, too. But, um... Like girls. <laughs> yeah. There. Um. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um... No, I, just, I, I remember playing it. I remember it not being that bad. Mm-hmm. And for the record, in 1982, I was 14 years old. Um, so, uh, I mean, for, for what it was at the time, I mean, let's put it this way. The Atari 2600 has not aged gracefully at all. No, no. Again, and, there's there's a certain group of people who, depending on when what your age group was when you were playing it, you love it. Plus, you know, again, you know, I have an affinity for any of the Atari games I played mm. growing up. I can't explain mm. that Yars Revenge is a good game, but it is awesome to me. You know, and yeah, so, and you know, going back, and I've you know, you still play. I mean. I, you bring me on because I remember all the games and I remember them fondly, but that's because I haven't played them in 30 years. If I try, if <laughs> I that tried, perspective is what I want. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, if I tried to play any of that stuff now, it would probably taint my memories of them. Um, I remember there was a PlayStation uh, compilation disc. I think it was on the PlayStation one. And, uh, going back and only having a four-way controller was infuriating mm-hmm. in trying to, uh, you know, you're playing a, a four-way controller game with an eight, eight-way controller joystick. Yeah. It was not pretty. Right, because um, it didn't have, the analog sticks came shortly into the cycle. Always leave it up yes. to Sony to uh, kind of half-ass that shit mid cycle and make you deal with it dual shot yeah have they announced the new Um, controller for the ps4 yet (laughs) not yet i think it's because it it can double up as a vibrator from day one which i never understood why they took that feature out and Um, a flashlight ah yes (laughs) i said flashlight not flashlight people but uh but yeah yeah you know i take it back yeah like i said it doesn't hold up much today but it was uh, when it well, again, when it is up against Yars Revenge, or when the most innovative game that people keep going back to on that console is Adventure, uh, because it's the only one anyone fucking remembers anymore. Um, 
you know, it really. It I really could do that up. game in about less. I, I could speed run that in about less than two minutes. Which one? <laughs> adventure. Oh, adventure. Yeah. Well, if yeah. you know how to fuck. Sorry, I was gonna say fuck the duck, but if you know how to get past the duck, uh, yeah, you're good. And if you know where the key is, you probably know where the key is. Yes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, this came out the same year, I should point out, as uh, Blinky Pac-Man, which Derek appropriately did say, you know, was not bad at that time. And you've said that too, Chip. You've said, you I know, loved it. Yeah, people, are, people are, are, are looking too retroactively at it. And I think that's the reason why I don't cover a lot of Atari games on the site. Because I didn't play a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't be... I wouldn't say fair. I wouldn't be appropriate. It would just be a lot of shitting on stuff or, you know, not having any sort of, um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Any sort of, uh, you know, perspective on it. So, um, and it also came out the same year as E.T. And I promise you I would rather be stuck in a room with uh, um, with Spider-Man than, you know, E.T. <laughs> Now, million copies uh, of e. T, we'll say. T- TC even says it right here in the chat that, uh, you know, even E, or I'm sorry, Yogi Zilla, even E.T., uh, which people gave a lot of crap, had its moments. I remember playing E.T. Um, it wasn't a great game. It was a frustrating game. But we played the shit out of it one well, summer. It was if you could figure out that holding down mm-hmm. the button made his mm-hmm. head extend and he mm-hmm. floated. Mm-hmm. Like he does in the movie, right? Um, but if you could figure that out, you was fine. Otherwise, you'd fall into a hole, and that was it. The game was over because yeah. you didn't know how the hell to get out. And back right. then, guys, that was that was just you being too stupid to figure it out. <laughs> Sorry, man, you lost your money. <laughs> but uh, but yes. Um, so uh, so the first one being uh, um, um, the Atari Twenty Six Hundred Amazing Spider Man. Um, and uh, there is some debate as to uh, NES games versus uh, Atari games. Yeah, remember, Atari did have extremely 4K, I think, to work with, and they had to race the beam, So, uh, which if you guys have never read it, Ed Freeze, I think it was, wrote Racing the Beam. Uh, you should definitely check it out. It's a, it's a really cool uh, book for the layman to teach you kind of what they do with Atari to, to give, like, scrolling and, and do a lot of the cool stuff that console was never intended to do. Um, next up were the Quest Probe games. These were Amstrad, CPC, uh, Commodore 64, ZX Spectrum, and DOS games that appear to be adventure games or a- interactive comic book games. Did you guys play any of these? Nope. I didn't. Um, uh, maybe briefly if my roommate had it on his Commodore. Gotcha. Uh, you um, know, well, so... They may be... They may even be Europe-only releases. I have. Yeah. I have no, they. I think they came out here. Yeah, I remember. I think I remember. You know, I think there were even ads in comic books. Yes, actually, you know what, then. Chip? Of all things, you know what? Its most popular uh, console was in uh, in America was the Atari 400. Makes sense. Okay. The Atari 400-800 series uh, were were what it was big on. So the uh, the eight-bit systems that Atari released. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I never played them, so, uh, just know they're out there, um, and yeah. <laughs> uh, but the one, I, I have not played this chip, but we all need to get on this, like, yesterday, is, did you know there was a Commodore 64 Activision-developed platformer for Howard the Duck that released Ooh. Day and Date with the movie? 
this I gotta get my hands we, we, on. Yeah. Ooh yeah. <laughs> ooh yeah to the rescue. Yes, and the ooh yeah. Is there can an emulator, emulator out yes, there? Yes, there is. There's a there's a C64 emulator. It's also on the MSX, CPC, and ZX Spectrum. There is an MSX emulator that works really well too. I get the feeling the Commodore 64 would probably emulate it better than the MSX, but the MSX was a cart-based, uh, I believe 64KB console as well or microcomputer. So it might be good on all of them. But, yeah, I definitely – I couldn't find any information on it other than Lemon64 has some uh, interesting-looking screenshots that don't let me know whether or not it's a platformer or an adventure game. Um, but it is available, and I do have a C64 ROM kit, so I need to – and an MSX one, for that matter. So I need to check this out, um, and I can record video. So at some point, guys, I will get that uh, live hopefully within the next week. i got to play hard the duck, even if it sucks. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, mark that on your calendar, guys. We've been pining for a game that already exists. <laughs> yeah. And it's a movie tie-in. It's it's a direct movie tie-in, so I have to see if they try to do, like, a comic book sequence or, or screenshot, you know, where they make uh, Beverly look like Leia Thompson or something um, with her crimped hair. Uh, let's see here. More they micro- probably recycled the, video, the women from Custer's Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. There is a huge gameplay video too, Tiger Claw says. So yeah, we'll yep. see. But uh anyway, uh next up, uh these are also um various uh, European companies. They made Captain America in the Doom Tube of Dr. Megaloman, which has got to be one of the best titles ever. Um and Spider-Man and Captain America in Dr. Doom's Revenge. You guys play any of these? Box art's what not was looking the first familiar. one? Captain America in the Doom Tube of Dr. Megaloman. Are these PC? These are all PC. These are all okay, microcomputer. Yeah. Uh, you, you know me and PCs, Fred. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I figured we skipped yeah. it. Did you know what I just found out? And I got to thank a the 2008 Game of the Year of, uh, of Giant Bomb for this. Jeff Gersman was talking about how there is a cart that would help process... Commodore 64, that when you had it plugged into the C64, your disc and tape games would load quicker. I had no idea that existed. <laughs> what I would have given for that back in the day. Um, but anyway. Um, okay, so next up is we're getting into Nintendo stuff, guys. So here we go. LJN's first pile of shit. And Chip, this, if you've ever played it, does not, you do not get the uh, the past that the Atari 2600 had. This was going up against, in 1989, it was going up against some of Nintendo's strongest uh, to date, um, which was uh, Marvel's X-Men. Uh, anybody play this one? This was on the Genesis, wasn't it? Uh, there is one on the Genesis, but this isn't that one. This is the Uncanny X-Men on uh, the NES. Hey, I never played that one. Never played okay. that one. It based itself roughly on uh, the Uncanny X-Men, like uh, the, the obviously it's called the Uncanny X-Men, but very much on the uh, the the Pride of the X-Men side storyline that was going on in comics roughly around the same time. LJN wanted to release toys for it, and they made a game about it. Um, it was kind of like a, a vertical um, kind of walk forward level, um, where you uh, kind of kind of game where it was like a, kind of an overhead view, and you would fight guys. And uh, I just remember that, you know, you couldn't really tell what anybody was, which was pretty standard for the NES. But mm-hmm. it was balls hard. 
It was really stupid. And, uh, you had an, uh, you had an AI, um, partner that I think if they died, you died. And you didn't get to <laughs> pick whether or not to have them on. That's, that, uh, that's pretty bad. It looks like, uh, can you notice a cannon fodder? It kind of does look like cannon fodder. And actually, uh, Fortingard's talking about, did it play like Gauntlet? It played like Gauntlet if you had, um, like a really shitty, um, <laughs> if you had like a really shitty, uh, like friend who always like ran around and just tried to like take all the food and die fast is basically what it was. Um, I do know we beat it once with a, uh, um, with a game genie or a game shark. No, game genie. <laughs> we had a game genie and you could do, uh, unlimited lives. And it's one of those things. Have you ever played those games that are so hard? You give yourself unlimited lives and you start playing through it, and um, and you're like, "Fuck, this is still impossibly hard." <laughs> you're like, "How did anyone beat this?" <laughs> yeah, coming out in 1989, I'm I'm surprised I didn't play it. Um, I mean, big com that that was when I was really into the comic book thing. Hmm, it must have yeah. gotten like shitty reviews. Oh, it did. No, no, no. I remember EGM's uh, Holiday Buyer's Guide um, saying stuff like, cut this, you know, picture out and, like, paste it in your parents' room just in case you fear they may, you know, buy it for you or something. Like, I remember <laughs> it being dogged on pretty hard from uh, the couple of, I think, GamePro. You remember how there was the guy whose fucking brain would explode if it mm. was, like, really liked? They they like, gave it, it had like, the p- pistol in his mouth and yeah. The pool. <laughs> yeah and it was all red and his hair was going everywhere yeah it was no it was more green um, and yes Fortingard's mentioning the next game but uh, in the uh, chat here I've got the uh, the box art for X Men and Chip like if you look at this box art um, yeah. or if you're looking at it like yeah, yeah. Th- this is one of those games you would have bought for the box art alone um, and they made sure LJN made sure to have the big Nintendo seal of quality right there next to the X-Men. Um, so it seems like, seemingly, Nintendo was endorsing this. Uh, all it really meant was they paid their licensing fee. Um. <laughs> Which is all the Nintendo <laughs> seal of quality has meant for years. That's correct. <laughs> That's correct. To this day, it will still say licensed by Nintendo, Nintendo and that means nothing. <laughs> um, all right, now moving on. Uh, we are moving on to another brutally impossible game, uh, which is the Silver Surfer for the NES. Did anybody play the Silver Surfer for the NES? You know, I've, I've played an emulator of it, but never the original one. Okay. Uh, I, I would assume it would emulate pretty well. It was a uh, side-scrolling shmup, but, Chip, it moved like Gradius, where it was constantly forcing you forward. Yeah. Once again, not not recalling it. Okay. Um, um and you know, like I said, this was dur this was during, you know, my heyday. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at pictures and you know, I might have played this, Fred. You can see how memorable it was though. <laughs> <laughs> well, to some it was very memorable because you got it on Christmas. This came out in 90, 1990, I should point out. Um and it was so fucking hard like extremely hard again right back to the x-men thing but even worse so because at least in the x-men i could beat the first of six levels and uh this one i could never even beat the first level um 
that it just it just broke your heart. And it was actually really cool. Uh, everything but the gameplay was really cool. It was this cool. It was the cool story of Silver Surfer. Had a lot of the really big villains you would never have in another game. Obviously, Galactus comes to mind, but I believe the Skrulls were in there, um, and other such uh, you know uh, top billing guys in the Silver Surfer universe. Mephisto. Uh, I do believe Mephisto's like head is a boss in this, um, and uh, and it also has uh, just just really cool like Ninja Gaiden style cutscenes. If you ever played Ninja Gaiden on the NES, it's got cool like uh, cutscenes. I mean, it's it's one mm-hmm. of the first cutscenes, and uh, it's just so fucking brutal. And and it's not just hitting stuff, um, which. Silver Surfer's super underpowered in this game for what he should have been, because he, like, fires silver balls at people, I guess. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and Those are like, power oh, cosmic balls. <laughs> yeah. <you> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he could power up and everything, and there were bombs. I mean, it was seriously like a, you know, like a shmup ripoff. Um, but when you died, you would go back, I believe, to the beginning of the level. So that's one thing. But that was pretty par for the course for shmups of that time. Um, and you had a lot of scenes where you had to navigate, like, very narrow flyways and stuff. And there was even, I think in the first level alone, there was a maze where it was like, oh, you went to the wrong side. I'm going to crash and shit like that. So, you know, where you'd get you'd get blocked in. But, um, and in the chat, uh, if, you're, if you're listening, chatters, uh, TC has put... Uh, uh, a YouTube video of a guy who beats Silver Surfer in a perfect run, which, fuck him. But uh, <laughs> it did have an amazing soundtrack. Great box art. And, and yeah, truly great box art. Silver Surfer takes up most of the screen. Uh, it was really indicative of the comic style of the covers at that time. Do you remember that ship? It was. Yeah. No, it looks like a cover of an actual comic. And it might have been. i got to be honest, I didn't read right. a ton of Silver Surfer, but I hung out in comic shops all the time at this time in my life. I used to – It was back, remember back when this was, like, not really illegal, where you, they could have you, like, sit in the comic shop and do random shit, like, organize stuff or, or whatnot, mm-hmm. and then the guy who was working in the shop who wasn't the owner would, like, give you something for free in return or let you yeah. hang out or stuff or – yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did that or, all the time. Or my favorite trick, the guy who – he had keys to the arcade – uh, of Mortal Kombat 1 or 2, and he'd give you a bunch of quarters out of the register and you thought you were getting paid, but you'd just dump it into the, the register, into the game, and then the se- and he'd tell you you had to use them on the game. And then the second you left, he'd just open up the coin door and pull the quarters out and <laughs> put them back in the register. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was it's a really tough game, but it is pretty cool. And, Andy, you said you played an emulated version of this? Yeah, yeah. Do you and remember that- if it emulated smooth? It was okay, yeah. It was okay. certainly playable enough. Well, some of some of the emulated games, especially the scrolling ones, are hiccupy. If you've ever played Mario three on the levels that actually move, they're very, to me, kind of jittery hiccupy. Um, they they kind of tend to lag on one or two frames every second or something. But anyway, um, 
So yeah, that's Silver Surfer. Uh, guys, I'm skipping over the uh, some of the computer games that came out at the time, unless you guys can remember any of them. <laughs> Am I nope. correct that like we're just gonna skip these for right now? Yeah. No, us us poor little console plebes uh, don't. I didn't don't play them on the grasp. computer either. We're all together here, man. <laughs> Fuck you. So it's only recently that Fred's become the PC elitist. Yes, yes, yes only recently. This summer. <laughs> drastic, drastic change. Yeah. Uh, and and yet I hate emulation. Go figure. Um, but uh, I'm not against it. I just personally hate it. Um. All right, well, let's uh, – so we're going to just continue on with these console ones. Um, next up in this list, uh, I think it's based off of release date, but these all came out holiday of 90, um, was The Amazing Spider-Man on the Game Boy. Did anybody play this one? Nope. I didn't even okay. have a game I, – I didn't have a Game Boy until the Game Boy Color came out. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have a Game Boy until I was probably 12, 13, so many years after this, and I gotcha. didn't go back that far. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a pretty cool game. Again, there's not much to it. I- I'd love to get into it, but again, it's it's more fun to discuss games that you guys remember. Mm. Um, but uh, but basically, it was it was kind of a cool concept. Uh, there were like four kind of side-scrolling beat-em-up platforming levels. And then there were um, some vertical crawling levels. Kind of think of like souped up versions of the uh, of the uh, um, the Atari game. Um, but again, they could do. Game Boy was really good at this time because it was brand new at getting really big chunky sprites on the screen. And I think that games like uh, Ninja Turtles: Rise of the Foot Clan and 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 Mega Man and games like this, uh, even though they're kind of scorned today, um, actually were the best kind of games to play on the Game Boy. And I think this was this was pretty appropriate. I would have preferred if they'd done all the vertical levels, um, but uh, but the amazing amazing Spider-Man in the Game Boy was pretty cool. And if you can find it on the cheap, it's it's worth uh, it's worth trying, um, especially because it's like the only LJN game that I don't think sucks a whole lot. Now I should point out though that LJN is the publisher. Rare developed this, and and to be fair, Rare developed about everything that you played on the NES and the Game Boy. Uh, in those times, but, uh, but yeah, uh, and everyone says, fuck that game. Okay. So we'll move on from <laughs> Spider-Man. Uh, next up is, uh, the one that I think chips thinking of near and dear to my heart. I hope we've all played this. And if you haven't, it's Spider-Man on the Genesis. Um, oh no, you were thinking of the X-Men game. We'll get to that X-Men, one. Yeah. Yep. But, uh, did you guys play Spider-Man on the Genesis? It was later known as the amazing Spider-Man versus the Kingpin when it came out on the, uh, I think it was on Game Gear as the Kingpin, and I know it was on Sega CD because that's the one I played. Um, yeah, I played the I played the Mega Drive version. Um, I, I remember it as being pretty decent. Like I haven't played it recently. I mean, you're talking like back when it was out, but I remember it was it was pretty decent. Yeah, I and I actually recently played this. I played through it this year um, and did a uh, a review on it for Gaming History 101. Of course, I'm going to shamelessly plug it, um, but. Uh, um, but yeah, yeah on I think uh, I did play this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh it was a pretty cool game. Um it was kind of open worldy. Like you would tr- you could travel to different parts of the city. Um and your goal was to obviously uh get Mary save Mary Jane and uh and basically you would uh um <clears throat> 
You would just uh, play through different levels. You could find comic books and things like that. Now, again, I should point out that it was kind of remade on the Sega CD, and that was the version I played. So there may be more stuff that's in there um, than not. But I heard it was pretty... It was pretty spot on to the the Genesis version. Like it wasn't a whole lot different, um, other than oh. there were some animated cutscenes in the Sega CD version or whatnot. Apparently, there's two two new levels in the Mega CD version. Oh, Sega okay. CD. Okay, but there were a lot of levels in there, and uh, what I liked about it was, you know, the graphics were indicative of the time. Genesis did a really good job of just seeming just to be a pretty strong upgrade over uh, the um, over the uh, Nintendo, and obviously at this time um, there was no uh, uh, there was no Super Nintendo yet to compete against it. Uh, they'll do that with a, a different Marvel game we'll talk about. Um, but uh, but yeah, the game was pretty cool. You fought all the classic villains that I can remember. I I think I know you fight Venom. Obviously, Kingpin's the last boss, and Electro. I'm pretty sure there's also Scorpion, Lizard, and Vulture. So you get a decent number of the Spider-Man pantheon of characters. And uh, Tiger Claw is saying, I guess, uh, it was kind of controversial because of the shitty dialogue. I really think they recycled the voice cast of Willie Beamish on the Sega CD for this one as well. Uh, and I believe this was a Sega property. Let me double check. Um, but I think, yeah, Sega did uh, publish it. Technopop <laughs> developed it. So there you go. Have it that. Uh, but this was a very cool game. Uh, if you like Spider-Man... I think for the era, this <clears throat> excuse me, this will do you well. Uh, then, um, meanwhile, at the same time, over on the NES is a game that's very near and dear to my heart, which was the Punisher NES game. Now, has anybody played the Punisher on the NES? Probably. Okay. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> Sorry, def- I definitely haven't played it. Okay. Um, did a review of this as well, and on the YouTube side, I did an entire playthrough of it, um, so you can watch me beat it. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, um, this game was a shoot 'em up. Basically, you were uh, think of like Cabal if you ever played that in the arcades. You had the Punisher, and there was a reticle on the screen, and you would just shoot guys <laughs> like literally as they come across the screen. You could, uh, you could, your Punisher character would move left to right on the screen as you move left to right, but you had to kind of manage like the placement of the Punisher character plus the reticle, and this becomes like much bigger deal later in the game. And uh, you were flat out shooting and killing guys. There would be like innocent bystanders, like a guy playing saxophone on the side of the on the side of the road, and if you shot him, he would literally like uh, just keel over and fall over and die. And the saxophone would be like, you know, there was this really cool saxophone, which made a really good sound on the, the Nintendo that was like, you know, it was very jazzy. It was just like, and then when you'd shoot him, he'd be like, and he'd like pass out. And I remember it was so terrible. And I was surprised it didn't get attacked by parent groups and, and whatnot. Um, this was also done by uh, LJN, but it was released by Beam Software. So they did some cool stuff. Um, and uh, you fought a lot of people in the Punisher universe, uh, most notably Jigsaw and Kingpin, um, but Hitman, um, Saijo Kanka, or Kanaka, uh, Colonel Klieg, and the Assassin were in there. And these were kind of like secondary characters, but if you read a lot of the early Punisher, and I read Punisher from the day it came out, uh, the limited edition and then the ongoing series, uh, very cool game. Uh, if you're interested at all, like I said, you can check out my review, which is spoiler-free, or you can watch me beat through it in about, you know, like I said, in, in about an hour. Um, 
For for a NES game, it actually looks not bad. Yeah, you like it? Like in terms of graphics and whatnot, it looks. Yeah, okay. actually, it was it was pretty graphically good. Um, I'm also noticing some interesting shit on the site. Okay, the video is supposed to be in the review, but instead it's uh, it's Michigan Report from Hell. That's probably. <laughs> but anyway, um, so next up on the list is uh, well, the Punisher also came out um in a sort of adapted version. On the uh, Game Boy. Uh, I've not played that version, but I hear it's pretty good. Um, and it, it is an ad- adaptation of that same one. Um, but moving into the Nintendo, again, probably one you guys didn't play. Did you ever play Wolverine on the NES? I th- yes, I do recall own. this one. Okay. And, uh, uh, and, and do you remember anything about it? Vaguely. Okay. It was... Uh, it was basically um, kind of a hack and slash game, uh, mm-hmm. but it had some as as they mostly did. It was a side scrolling hack and slash game, but not really beat 'em up. Like if you guys are thinking Final Fight style, you're thinking way too advanced. This was kind of one of those things where the game was out to hate you. Um, everybody had a ranged weapon and you didn't because you were Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he couldn't regenerate because you know pff, video games didn't do that. <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, he. Uh, and, and everything would knock him backwards. And then there would always be, like, platforming with a guy standing on the edge of the cliff right when you would land and, and things like that. Um, the only time – they did say, I think, in the instruction manual, though, that he his healing powers were that he couldn't get hurt when he had initially been injured. Like, when he had – like, right, right after he's injured, he's, like, invulnerable because, you know, every Nintendo game gave you that little blinky period. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember being Wolverine, and they even say in the front that – Saber Sabertooth is in there, and you're also gonna fight Magneto. But I wouldn't know anything about that. I died fighting robots and traps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Instead of getting cigars and beers, I was picking up burgers and fucking cokes. It was the most pathetic version of a Wolverine game, and it was tough as balls. Did I mention it was tough as balls? <laughs> so terrible. I didn't like it. <laughs> well, you know, Fred, we keep bringing up uh, all these old video games, mm-hmm. from Mar- especially the Marvel ones. And the biggest problem was back in, you know, I would say almost until the most recent generation, most uh, co- comic book video games sucked. Well, a lot of them on home consoles. In fact, in yes. retrospect, had I done a little more planning, and typically I do for the shows, I, I apologize today, I did not. Um, I would have probably lumped all the LJN games together and just fired through the list real fast. But since I can't take back time, and since you guys have already played the Let's Rerecord the Show game, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're right, Chip. We should, uh, if you want to, uh, if you guys don't mind, uh, maybe we should just move forward and talk about the games that were worth playing. Um, you know, and I'll kind of just dance over the ones that that, that weren't very good. So, um, just in case you were thinking Spider-Man: Return of the Sinister Six on the Nintendo was any good, skip that. <laughs> um, however, the next one, and this is the one you've been wanting to. Well, shit, I don't even know if we're there yet. Did you play Spider-Man and X-Men in Arcades Revenge on uh, the SNES or uh, Genesis Mega Drive? No, but I did play Captain Captain America and the Avengers. Okay, let's talk I about did, Captain I did America. play that, and I played the X-Men one, and I don't know if I played the spider Yeah, a lot of these just really sucked, Fred. Okay, <laughs> I mean, well, no, but Captain America and the Avengers and X-Men, 
Um, and we'll even lump Punisher in here, and I'll just talk about a little bit of the differences. But these should all be lumped together because these were all arcade beat-em-ups in the true – these were the Konami beat-em-ups. Or, well, actually, Data East and Captain America and the Avengers. But these were all the – uh, the beat-em-ups that emulated the final fight, walk to the right, beat everyone up, yeah. kind of allowed you to have a superpower that would help you out. I think in the Avengers, you know, like Captain America threw a shield or, you know, um, uh, for some reason I feel like the Human Torch was in that one, but he's a Fantastic Four character. Um, that never uh, stopped anything. Yeah. That's a very no, good he's, he's been an Avenger as well at times. Um, no, it was Captain oh, America. Oh, Iron Man Iron is who Man. I'm thinking of, yeah. yeah. Hawkeye and the Vision were the mm-hmm. four playable characters in it and uh the the reason that i wanted to bring it up was because the uh, wasp is in it as not oh, as yeah. a playable character but as a as a like a, a power-up character so like the characters would appear when you picked up special power-ups mm-hmm. yeah quicksilver was also in there according to wikipedia and so was yep. namor yeah and uh, I, but... do you know, I actually played this earlier on today uh, in emulation form just because I, I had never played it before and i was like i need to play this because Specifically because Wasp was in it, and it, it plays, I mean, all of these games, like, to me, every single one I play, it reminds me of Streets of Rage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and Streets of Rage being, you know, Final Fight emulator as well. Uh, not necessarily an emulator, because I think Streets of Rage <laughs> is better than Final Fight, uh, other than the original game. But uh, they were very cool. I mean, this was what you wanted to do, right? You wanted to beat the oh, yeah. shit out of people with your favorite superhero and give them their own superpower. You know, and everyone's was pretty faithful. I forgot what the Vision did. Did he just, like, shoot out some big beam from his forehead or something? Yeah, I think so. That's what the Vision normally does. Although, right, I mean, Hawkeye was... was given a ranged attack, and yeah. so was Iron Man. Yeah. Actually, in this one, I think they gave everyone a ranged attack. That was kind of how it worked. Yeah. It was basically a shooter. To an uh... extent. Yeah, I mean, or a side-scrolling shooter, I guess. You know, like Contra. I mean, everybody's got a ranged attack. Right, but they, they forced you to, uh, when you would use those attacks, it would take away your life. So it was one of those things. And I do remember the weird thing about this one was it was uh, in numbers. Your your health was like 58. <laughs> and then it would it would dwindle down. But, yeah. And, uh, again, that was that was pretty much the same with uh, with X-Men. Obviously, it's, its cabinet was much more fancy. But mm-hmm. these were all roughly half-an-hour games. Punisher's the same way. Um, and, actually, I wanted to say Punisher was different. But the only difference really is... Like all Punisher games, it was very violent, um, but uh, but it, it just had mild amounts of blood. But I remember it was both Captain America and the Avengers was on both the Mega Drive and the SNES, and um, and uh, uh, and I know that um, X Men wasn't because Konami didn't want to give up the license. Um, but Punisher was only on the Mega Drive Genesis because, um, you know, uh, Nintendo had said it was too violent. And, of course, you know Genesis, who at that time was uh, the only people, reason people were buying shit on the Genesis was because of its violence. They were like, fuck, yeah, we'll port it. <laughs> yeah, come on. Um, and, uh, and, and, again, I, I think, you know, especially in hindsight, the Punisher really got probably some of the best. Like, most of his games weren't bad. Like, I don't even think his more recent games, uh, you know, and that's probably up for debate, were that bad. I even liked his PS3 fucking shooter, his uh, his team-based shooter. You know, it wasn't anything to write home about, but it wasn't bad. No. But, uh, but anyway, so let's move on to – we'll come back to beat-em-ups, but let's move on to the game you were originally talking about, Chip. I should have just jumped to it right when we talked about it, which was the 1993 uh, Genesis game uh, X-Men. Straight-up yes. X-Men. Um. 
so what? Since you talked about it, why don't you talk about it? <laughs> well, I, the one one thing I remember about this was, I mean, because it was Wolverine, Cyclops, Colossus, and Storm. You got it. Uh, I don't know if there were any other characters available, and if you played on normal, you could only get through the first four levels. <laughs> yes, which um, you, there was sent also me into a rage. <laughs> Yes, this game definitely did still have its, uh, its, its, the very high difficulty curve. Um, and like you said, not because you, uh, the game itself was necessarily that hard, but it's once you, uh, you had to, uh, play it on what was it hard in order to beat the game. Yes. And that, that, you know, I was never a fan of things like that. Lock, locking, uh, two thirds of the game, cause I think it was only six levels. Behind uh, a uh, artificial wall like that is bullshit. Yeah, you would get to Mojo's level and it would say reset. <laughs> it would literally <laughs> say press the reset button on the front of the console. <laughs> yeah, I remember they did that with uh, Golden Axe as well. They did, yes. And yes, but not on normal. <laughs> oh, if you played it on easy, it was, it was like, on It was on easy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, I could understand doing that on easy. But I think uh, the normal difficulty, you should at least be able to play through the main game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, yeah. I would agree with you. Uh, well, And especially because the game seems somewhat manageable. Like, it's hard, but that game seems somewhat manageable from the beginning because doesn't your health slowly regenerate in that game? You just got to stop yourself from getting your ass totally handed to you, which is very difficult even yeah, before know. level five. You know, um... But uh, the other thing is uh, it had a bitchin' soundtrack. Uh, this is one of yep. those. Um, Genesis did really good. Not really, really like synth tones. The Sony chip in uh, the SNES really did good with that. But they were really good at uh, making, like, I guess I would say the pinnacle of, like, chip tune. This game had had a really cool soundtrack. I'm trying to decide whether or not I want to do the X-Men rap from the arcade of X-Men uh, <laughs> in this episode or the uh, X-Men Genesis uh, soundtrack. We'll see. Well, um, well while yeah. you mentioned the arcade game, Fred, this, this game was totally different from the arcade game, wasn't it? Oh, yes. Yes, yes I apologize. This was in no way connected. Which, which is weird because the arcade game was, what, 92 and this is 93? Yes, yes, and I think the reason why is um, uh, this was a Sega developed, uh, like it was published by Sega, and uh, Wikipedia says Western Technologies Inc., but I think this was one of those uh, second-party developers uh, that Sega had in its pocket. Um, You know, a lot of people have talked about the fact that, uh, you know, Capcom did a lot of Sega ports that they took credit for, like Strider, uh, on the the early days of the Genesis Mega Drive, and uh, this seems to be, you know, up that that same area. I believe they're a British publisher or developer, if I if I'm correct. Um, but anyway, with a name like Western Technologies, obviously they're from this <laughs> side of the the globe. But uh, but yeah, uh, again, I remember the game being tough as fuck, but 
we all played it. Like we all played it. We all owned it. We really liked it. Um, I think I rage quit. <laughs> I could see that. I probably would now. You know, I mean, after you get through level four and, you know, finally finish that level and seeing, oh, you need to play this. Fuck that shit. (laughs) You know, I don't think I ever finished it either. Oh, yeah, I'd never even tried it on hard as far as I know. In fact, I don't know that I ever beat it to level four, (laughs) to be honest with you. Um, and, uh, by the way, if you've ever wanted to see a text version of the Adamantium Rage, uh, <laughs> that Wolverine says out, uh, Fortingard, I'm not going to repeat it, but Fortingard did a really good text version of it. So, um, but anyway, uh, and then immediately following that, the next year was X-Men 2, The Clone Wars, um, published by Sega. Um, and it was a side-scrolling beat-em-up as well. Uh, based off of the comic books or the cartoon series this time. Now I didn't play this one. Do you guys, either of you, play it? No. Uh, at this point, I was boycotting all X Men games after the the bullshit that was the <laughs> okay. the original Sega one. Fair enough. Uh, no, I never played that one either. Okay. Um, from the looks of it, the only thing that's interesting about it, and again, we won't talk about a game we didn't play, but uh, uh, it looks like the characters you could be, the selectable characters, are Beast, Cyclops, Gambit, Nightcrawler, Psylocke, Wolverine, and Magneto, who is unlocked after the third level. Woo-woo. So uh, maybe I'll check that out at some point. Um, you know, I'll just add to that short list of games I want to play. <laughs> um, but uh, but next up is... Uh, is a game that I I did not play, which was Amazing Spider-Man Lethal Foes. Anybody played this one on the SNES? This was a SNES-only game, apparently. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry, never mind. It was Japan only. Fuck that. Um, (laughs) I remember that one well. I really enjoyed that game. I was like, what's that box art? All right, this next one I did play, and again, it, it's kind of indicative of that uh, Sega Genesis era stuff to me. It's a U.S. gold-developed game, um, which was The Incredible Hulk. Uh, but I guess it was on the SNES as well. Um, now, as I've said on uh, on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast, I'm a huge Hulk fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I loved the idea of this, although, you know, much like the Wolverine game, it's going to let you down because they can't make you impossible to kill and and without a life bar and all that kind of stuff but um did any of you guys play this one it sounds familiar okay i mean i mean, I mean we we're, we are still going back 20 plus years and oh we very much are this is 1994 yes yep. and it's i mean a lot of these games were very un, un it was what they did with comic book licenses back then. They were all very generic beat 'em up shooter based on a you know some popular arcade game with the Marvel license slapped on it. Well, yes, to a certain extent, you're correct. Although I'm gonna di- I'm gonna say otherwise a little bit with Hulk. Although, yeah, I mean at its core, that's what it is. But it did have a lot of platforming and stuff in there. Plus, it was kind of like the big boys fighting each other kind of world, as you would expect in the Hulk game. You know, your bosses were Abomination, Rhino, Tyrannus, and then the leader. And the leader was more of like a puzzle boss than anything else. But um, All great villains, but... Puzzle bosses? (laughs) You know, I mean... MODOK is the shit. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) seeing that, it, it, it was just that I think... 
they hadn't figured out how to do a good comic book video game yet. Um, I'm trying, like I said, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering a good one, uh, in the eighties and nineties. Okay. Well, so, I mean, well, uh, you know, I, did I, gr- was I dumb enough to buy a lot of these games? Hell yes. Because, <laughs> you know, uh, you, th- you throw on a Marvel license and I'll at least give you a second look. <laughs> um yeah i like i said i i liked the hulk uh but again that that may be a nostalgia Mm -hmm. ringing in and i i love to sit here and tell you that i think it's incredibly different i do but if i booted it up yeah yeah i'd probably find out you're you're very much correct um and and i think the same can be said for Spider-Man and Venom Maximum Carnage. Uh, the big thing I remember with Spider-Man and Venom Maximum Carnage, though, aside from the red cart, which apparently is super rare in Japan. If you can find a Japanese version, you're looking at, like, 2,000 yen or something. but Or not 2,000, uh, 20,000 yen. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I remember it coming out at the same time as... The Death and Return of Superman, it was basically mm-hmm. the same game. Do you guys remember this? And again, it's your classic beat-em-up. I think the one thing I liked about Maximum Carnage um, and Death and Return of Superman was it had those selectable characters. So in Maximum Carnage, you could be Venom or Spider-Man, which is a person whose gamer tag, get this, is Spider's Venom. Obviously, it was very near and dear to me. Um, and uh, in Death and Return of Superman, you could be the, the four Supermen. So uh, I, I kind of like that concept. Um but you're right. They're doing. Uh, they're still doing the same stuff over and over again. So when they do something a little bit different, in my opinion, was when it hits the arcades. Came out on Saturn and PlayStation as well, which was X Men: Children of the Atom. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which was they turned it into a Street Fighter game. Now obviously Capcom takes this over, and uh, um, I think the biggest thing for me was right. It's it's the next iteration. It's where we should have been from the beginning. Yes. It's your favorite heroes fighting each other. Um, a huge integration of the the superpowers. You know, um, a decent roster. It was Colossus, Cyclops, Iceman, Psylocke, Storm, and Wolverine on the hero side. Omega Red, which I loved that he was in there. He was really cool in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So he was a great selection for that new age of X-Men, I guess I would say, when, when Jim Lee took over. And uh, then there was obviously the Sentinel, uh, totally undersized. Silver Samurai, Spiral, Juggernaut, and Magneto. Um, so a decent, uh, um, you know, roster. And obviously this, the fighting game ruled supreme. And the graphics were able to look very similar to comic style, you know. Um, so I, this I don't was know, uh, a beautiful game back, especially the arcade version. I mean, oh yes, I, you know, it was jaw dropping. Yes, I, I, I agree. And it's super slick. Um, it's amazing. Uh, I have it on the Japanese Saturn. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it needed a RAM card or something, but that that really helped it. Again, um, the one thing the Saturn can do uh, very well and much better over uh, the PlayStation is uh, 2D side-scrolling fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't as good as the arcade port chip. You are correct. And to this day, I always like second guess whenever I see you know a Children of the Atom or uh, even the the sequel. Um, the uh, Marvel superheroes uh, in the arcades, you mm-hmm. know, in an arcade format, because usually they're selling for only a couple hundred bucks, and it's kind of cooler to me in the geek culture than you know, like a Street Fighter cab. So, um, but I remember that being a big deal, and, and again, as as they uh, reign supreme, um, I thought it was a very cool uh, concept to have um, 
you know, just a fighting beat him up, and especially Capcom handled it with care. So, um, let's see here. I'm trying to think of the next game that really did stuff differently. Um, obviously, that would, I mean, there were a bunch of games that came out, you know, in addition to, you know, that were more beat em ups on the home consoles, uh, but we've kind of, no pun intended, beaten those to death. Um, <laughs> But the the fighting games would continue. Marvel superheroes would would bring in a lot more characters, and then of course there would be eventually um, was uh, Street Fighter versus uh, uh, Marvel superheroes. Uh, now, Chip, did you did you play fighting games? I mean, obviously you saw them in the arcades, but I mean, did either of you really play fighting games too much? Um, um, I, played those, I did. I did play those ones in the arcades. Um, they're not my forte, though. Generally, fighting games, but because they were Marvel games, um, and like you know, you walk past them and you're like, oh, that looks cool, X Men, and you stick a couple of a couple of quid in. And mm-hmm. I, I remember like those games were pretty good. Like they were just like Street Fighter, basically, but with the Marvel characters. Yeah, to a certain extent. There's one thing, and of course, as the as the hardcore fighting fan, I'll, I'll have mm-hmm. some things to say. But uh, Chip, did, is there anything you wanted to add? Yeah, I mean. You you know my theory. You uh, the Marvel license is like bacon. You can put it on anything, and I'll at least try it. You know. Um, so I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I did play. I did play them. Um, I wasn't. I mean, did I buy a lot of them? I think the home ports sucked though, because yeah. they didn't come out in America other than on the PlayStation. Right. And I I gotta say, the PlayStation ports of fighting games were quite lackluster. Mm. Um, but, uh, <laughs> now I feel like listening to the Danger Room podcast, they'll definitely do, uh, comics more justice than I will because my knowledge is just teetering here, but these two boys can help me out. But, uh, um, the one thing about these games was they were a little more approachable. I think mm-hmm. Marvel was probably smart. I'm guessing that was Marvel's involvement, um, in that this, these games, and I kind of talked about this a little bit, Chip, on, on the B Team podcast, our show, um, or no, actually, I think this was on the Agents of Shield cast. These games were made uh, with so that the most basic beginner and the most uh, hardcore, like advanced person could both play them because they were known for their super combos. The the hardcore, long running, forty hit combos began in these Marvel games for Capcom, and there were even one button super moves and and easy style and stuff like that. And so um, it was a very easy way to let really you know, a little kid walk up in the arcades, feel like he's badass because every button was a super move or something, you know. Um, Which is so why I, I like these games. There you go. See? And they still do that mm. today because, you know, I Chip definitely jumped on the fire sale when Capcom uh, regretfully lost its license recently um, as, as Marvel ropes in all of its old properties, or rather Disney does it for them. But... Uh, um, but you can see that that's indicative in the early Marvel versus Capcom games, which is eventually where it would go. Um, you know, they've 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 got uh, they've got that still in the first two at least. Um, so, um, but uh, moving along, and, and we're gonna probably ra- uh, you know this was gonna be a shorter show, and so we're gonna wrap this up a little early. But I'm curious if anybody played like some of these randos. Uh, did anybody play the uh, Fantastic Four game on the PlayStation One? Made by a claim. <laughs> yeah, why do I think I did and it was horrible? I, you know, like I said, you throw the Marvel license on there, and you know it's, you know, uh, 
Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm trying to keep this clean. Um, <laughs> don't. We, we can swear here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's sort of like a set of stilettos and uh, garter belt with um, a nice set of fishnets. I'm, I'm jumping in every time. <laughs> um yeah i again i when i found out it was a beat-em-up uh somebody uh in the and then i find out it's it, your mom you know <laughs> someone in a in a review said that it looks walks talks and acts like uh final fight but it sure don't play like final fight so i guess that's uh that's it right there um other one <laughs> I don't think Blade should really even count because the 2000 game that was on PlayStation 1, because it was based on the movie property. Okay, but, I mean, first of all, anything by acclaim doesn't count. Okay, fair I, enough. I, I think that, I mean, acclaim was, we can just the, say it right there. was uh, one of the worst offenders of getting licenses and crapping out absolute dreck. <laughs> you know, you... They had the mar- I mean, this, and it also drove the company into bankruptcy because they spent all their money on licenses and nothing on making actually any good games. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, they became known as Ack Claim for a reason. Um, so I mean, and, and I think it was around the time of the Fantastic Four game. Uh, you, you know, you may have the the Marvel name there on the box. But if you, I mean, by then you knew if you see a claim as the publisher, you run, you run fast and in the opposite <laughs> direction and start screaming rape because uh, that's what would happen to your wallet if you bought any of these games. Very true. Very true. Um, I do think there is a mild exception with some of these games, though, Um uh, because as you had said, um, oh no, actually Activision had the Spider-Man's license mm-hmm. because the Spider-Man games in the PlayStation era actually I thought were pretty good. The the chat was talking about it a little bit. There's Spider-Man one and two. These were uh, games made by um, uh, these were both on the PlayStation uh, one. I think the other ones had some ports to the PlayStation two and stuff, but I only played the PlayStation games. And uh, these were both developed by NeverSoft and Vicarious Visions. Uh, you may know these people later as uh, Guitar Hero uh, Development Studios. Um, but these kind and of Tony again Hawk for NeverSoft. Uh, yes, yes. Sorry, Tony Hawk. And actually, the first Spider-Man was built in the uh, Tony Hawk engine, engine. which yep. is why Spider-Man is an unlockable character in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. It was the project they did in between, so they made him an unlockable character. But if you guys did or didn't play these, these were these were pretty cool games. Um, it doesn't quite do what Treyarch will do soon with the 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 license, and I want to definitely talk about before we wrap this this episode up. Um, but uh, uh, but but they were they were cool. They were kind of faithful to the comic book, uh, very kind of classic, and they were. They were kind of open world, but you're, they weren't open world. They were level based, but they had they had a very good comic style, and I felt that they they traversed a little bit from there was actual level design. It wasn't just walk to the right, beat them up, mm-hmm. add in characters, and, and let's go, you know. Uh, and it wasn't they weren't too hard. I don't believe. Uh, I haven't played them in like you said. I'm I'm trying to remember back. Um, but more importantly, and getting onto stuff we I do want to talk about was then the Spider-Man movies would come out, and regardless of how you feel about those movies, the video games made by Treyarch on the PlayStation mm. 2, Xbox, and GameCube 
were awesome, especially the second one, which was a fully open world um, game where you could navigate Spider-Man. So uh, did you guys play either of these? I think I messed around with them a little bit. Okay. And Andy? Uh, I'm not sure which one I played. I definitely played one of the three. Okay. Uh, Spider-Man 3, probably a lot of people played because they went back to it. You know, it came out this generation. There was achievements. It was more tempting to go do it. You Um, you gotta remember that generation was also the generation that brought us the Superman game. Yeah. Well, no, that was N64. (laughs) I I get that one. Oh, no, yeah, there was a shitty one on, Mm -hmm. uh, Xbox 360, Mm -hmm. and yeah, it was right at the beginning of the generation. You are correct. They, they, They were still, you know, uh, you would see. You would see some decent reviews on those early Spider-Man games, but, you know, after year, you know, decades, literally, of bad comic book video games, uh, eventually, uh, you get a little gun shy. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, yeah. so I think that had a lot to do with, yeah, I've been down, and I think, you know, I mean, I did interviews with people, you know, on Hulk Ultimate Destruction, uh, Web of Shadows, which is an unaired interview for a very good reason. Um, <laughs> th- that PR. Oh, I took two hours to fucking quit that game completely. <laughs> no, the PR rep for Activision was a dick. Um, <laughs> Shock of the week there. You know, you know, I've, well, no. but, uh, you know, there's, uh, so, it's only been in probably the la- uh, the Xbox 360 ge- or yeah the last generation that I really started coming back into the fold. I would mess around, you know, if I heard something was good, I might give it a shot, but uh, mm-hmm. I think it took a long time for video game publishers and comic book publishers to figure out and synergize, and I think we're finally seeing that within the last. 10 years of uh, video games and comic books merging. Is mm-hmm. that fair? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's very fair, although I would like to say, and, and there's, there's a couple more games I want to bring up. Mm-hmm. This won't take long, but I would like to say that if you did ignore Spider-Man 2, uh, especially Spider-Man 2, of all mm-hmm. these games, because it has everything against it. They brag about on the box that Tobey Maguire and what's-her-face, Kirsten Dunst, do the voices. Uh. It's got a picture from the movie on the cover. Uh. It says on the back, play the movie. Uh. Activision. Uh. Treyarch. Uh. It's got everything against it. And you play it, and it's... Uh, and, and a couple of studios, and mostly Marvel games, were doing this. Mm-hmm. You have a much more uh, navigatable full version of Manhattan in that game than you do in, like, Grand Theft Auto 3. And remember how mm-hmm. revolutionary that was at the time. Now, sure, there isn't a Spider-Man gets to beat up the hooker and take his money back mini game <laughs> that was cut. But, um, you know, there it was a very cool game, and it could go up and down, and if you, you know, you could go he, he, he can from the steal money, to the sky. He can steal money from Aunt May's purse. I think... <laughs> Are you calling you know, her a hooker? Uh, <laughs> take her Metamucil money. <laughs> 
he's like coasting through the city and all of a sudden his fiber gets low and anyway um but uh but that was a really cool game uh and and if you can ignore the draw distance or the lack thereof uh it, it works very well um i've also heard the same thing about the x-men legends games although i didn't play those um and those were decent those were the top down okay. ones that uh kind of sp- oh yeah these were the predecessors to ultimate alliance weren't they mm-hmm because Raven did them. Uh, yes. Chip. <laughs> uh, okay. Hopefully he's agreeing with me. Okay. These were... <laughs> Chip, are you there? Okay. He's coming back. He didn't get mad or anything. The call yeah, that was, that was weird. <laughs> All of a sudden, I like said, oh, these are the Raven software games yeah. that led to Ultimate Alliance, and you were silent, and I was like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, this is what I get for downloading the Howard the Duck ROM during your show, right? <laughs> no, 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 it's, 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 it's okay for Howard the Duck. But yeah, yeah, these, I heard these were really good. So did you, did either of you play any of these? Yeah, I did. And are these as enjoyable as Ultimate Alliance? Yeah, okay. I mean they, they okay. did. They actually, I think they did a great job with for somebody that knew X Men lore. Mm-hmm. I think uh, there was a lot to be had there. Um, I, I remember I was playing it with my nephew, who was probably what are they ten years old now? The okay. the games. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought you made your no. nephews. I was like, um, so sure. he's eighteen now. So <laughs> okay. he had to be like yes, yeah, ten years old. So he had to be like somewhere between seven and nine and getting him to sit through a cut scene quietly uh, <laughs> was certainly more challenging than the game was. <laughs> and, and, you know, no, you hit that A button and I will break your thumb. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I never thought I'd miss the unskippable cut scene, right? So, yeah, so I mean, uh, but yeah, I remember playing it. Uh, they were decent. Uh, you know, it's a top down perspective and they were decent ROMs. Cool. Well, and d- just so you know, X-Men Legends mm-hmm. released on the N-Gage with four person GSM co-op. Can you imagine what that was like? Painful. Get me a taco phone yeah. now. Also not developed by Raven. It was done by, uh, check out this studio. You remember these guys, Barking Lizards? No, I don't either. Um, so they obviously didn't do too well. But uh, very cool. Yeah, those are those are definitely worth checking out. And then obviously this generation was the Marvel Ultimate Alliance games, which Andy tells me I absolutely have to pick up the second one, which I did not play because I brought home a store-bought copy. It had a scratch in it. It would not install and it would not load beyond the first cutscene. Uh, Brought it back to the store, told them they're very nice. They said, "Okay, well, unfortunately, it's sold out, so you can either go to our store in St. Louis, and I live in Kansas City, and go get one, or we can just give you a gift card." And uh, it was like on sale or something. So of course, when it came back in stock, they wouldn't give me the game, um, and oh. uh, it was more expensive. So that was why I've never played that game. <laughs> but uh, and then, uh, you know, a lot of people talk very positively of the Ultimate Spider-Man games because those kind of, you know, they kind of took the more, you know, hippy-dippy, updated, more modern Spider-Man. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man was a comic book series. You know, the snarky Peter Parker. And um, 
Not anymore. I didn't really care for it. He's what? he's not Peter Parker anymore. Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh, is he the uh... Miles Morales? He is now. Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 But and but I thought okay. Yeah, but it is Peter Parker in at the start of it. Yes. Yeah, I mean in the game. Oh, in the game, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think NPH does his voice. I think this starts when Neil Patrick Harris does his voice. But it still it, it still didn't matter. You, um, I you're not really doing a great job of solving this one, Fred. Yeah, no, well, I'm trying Doogie to say Hauser that, like, as Spider-Man. Um. Actually, he does okay, but, yeah, I, I, I didn't really care much for Ultimate Spider-Man, so I'm sorry, fans, that did. I remember getting it on Xbox and thinking it was going to be awesome, and I wasn't too keen on it. But what was awesome and I was really keen on, and Chip knows that I have a blind love for Radical Entertainment's um, uh, 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 prototype series, mm. was the progenitor of that, which was, uh, as you mentioned earlier, uh, The Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction, mm. where you basically break down New York uh, to rubble uh, as the Hulk. And I think there's a game mixed in there somewhere, but I never really, much like Grand Theft Auto, I never really got too far in the game to do that. Uh, maybe I should do that at some point. And I interviewed those guys. Yeah, yeah, uh, Radical is awesome. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah, I got, so. uh, I, got, I got to hang out with them and meet them at Comic-Con, play the game. Uh, you could, like, what, make uh, cars into boxing gloves for the Hulk, if I recall. Yes, you could. Yes, you could. Uh, buildings were destructible. He could run up buildings and jump. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, if you've played Prototype, <laughs> you know, you, you pretty much know how this game goes. Um but uh and if you but, haven't played prototype and you have a PS4 infamous second son is coming out in a couple of months yeah. <laughs> which was always very to... which was They're always which same. I always thought you know cuz they they always because they came out within a week of each other prototype and infamous I always thought uh, infamous was the better of the cuz they are fairly similar games although I think prototype no, I was more violent Prototype is a is a melee game, mm. whereas um, I say in, in uh, Infamous is definitely or Infamous. Um, wait, no, yes, yeah, Infamous is definitely a shooter. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's more of a shooter. I, I would agree. Um, yeah. I I remember playing the first Prototype, uh, and I, I thought the controls were sloppy in the way he ran and jumped up buildings. Yes, yeah, I would agree with that, and I I think uh, Incredible Hulk is no exception yes. to that. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, but it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. So it's it's definitely. Pardon? Well, that kind of fits with the uh, with the Hulk, though. Didn't exactly, run up a building smoothly, would he? Yeah. No. 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 He. Well. You know. I don't know. Maybe he was graceful. I never really <laughs> asked Betty Ross. You ever uh, see me on a Saturday <laughs> night after an, some time out with the boys? That we climbed the building the same way. <laughs> um. And uh, just to be and, – and I think we're going to le- – oh, wait. we I was going to – one other game, and I've not played it, so we won't talk about it much unless you guys did. But there was also a Punisher game uh, that came out on PlayStation, Xbox, and Microsoft uh, uh, Windows. Um, and this game was super violent. This was another game that Nintendo wouldn't put on their system because of its violence. And it was actually um, banned in some countries, mm-hmm. and it was heavily censored in our country. Um I do uh, an article called Dropping the Ban Hammer on Gaming History 101, and uh, it talks about the cuts, edits, and, uh, and, and stuff that was taken out of the game. Um, but you literally were torturing guys. Uh, this came out around the manhunt time. Well, I thought and, it was uh, the same developer. 
Uh, Rockstar? No, no, I don't think so. Oh, come. Um, but it had very much the same style, and a lot mm. of people say that, uh, what's it called, um, what's the game that used to be a true crime game? Uh, Sleeping, Sleeping Dogs. Dogs. Sleeping is very Dogs. similar. Yes. yes. And uh, that may be the same developer, actually. Because I, I remember reading about how violent this game was, uh... I wonder if it was the same developer, because, I mean, what they couldn't do in the Punisher game, they did do in the Sleeping Dogs game, which, for those that have Xbox 360, is currently free with your gold subscription and is a must-play, especially if you really like to torture people. <laughs> Actually, um, Sleeping Dogs was a PS Plus thing, and it, right. it, oh, did you just say that it's, it's now Games with Gold? Yeah, yeah, it's the Games yeah. with Gold because you know. So the, if you haven't already, yeah, yeah you've got till tonight. <laughs> is it only till tonight? Uh, it stops on uh, Games with Gold is oh. a 15 day period. Okay. Uh, actually, it might actually count over tomorrow, mm-hmm. but I don't think so. I think it it does end tonight. Okay. So, um, but. Uh, yeah, you definitely want to pick this up if you have games for gold and you don't have the plus version. Um, and uh, there's some debate as to whether or not Punisher No Mercy was good. I actually like the Punisher No Mercy FPS, but we're not talking about that. But anyway, uh, I did pick up the Punisher at like the local stores. There's like a rack where it's got no, uh, you know, no, uh, no cover, no anything. It's just disc only, and they rebuff it and they sell it for 99 cents. And I picked it up, so maybe someday I'll play it. But uh, with graphic intense scenes of torture and Europe forcing it to uh, rebrand what it was, uh, that's that's tempting enough. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll definitely check it out. But uh, but I think we're gonna leave it there. But uh, the the whole reason that I want to bring these up late, Chip, is as you said, these last couple of games kind of start the kind of outside-the-box thinking mm-hmm. that we've seen continue on with Marvel. And uh, we'll leave the whether the Sega games that came out last gen, the 360 PS3 era, fit or didn't fit that bill. But uh, for the most part, um, you know, I mean, we start to see games where the properties are very much taken into account with the game. So, um, and they weren't just 2D beat-ups. And I think that yeah. I think it has a lot to do with Marvel... Uh, not just whoring out their licenses anymore. I think they right. became very, uh, and uh, we kind of talk about it on 42 level, or not 40, duh, Agents of <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. cast, uh, and we've wow. touched on it on the B team with, well, with now Disney uh, take, uh, taking all the licenses back under their wing. But um, we saw that with Marvel starting, in, I would say, in the late, mid 2000s that uh with uh, they you know they opened up their own movie studio i mean it's marvel productions making all the movie you know most of the movies now uh and mm-hmm. we're seeing that with the games as well that they have uh people in place at marvel chris baker comes to mind he's the he's uh I think he's kind of like the liaison between Marvel and the video game companies, and I've interviewed him as well. Um, so that Marvel is taking a much more active role in protecting their brand and to an extent refurbishing it as they're realizing not only can we make money at this, but we could make a shitload of money if we actually uh, made good games. Yes. Yes, exactly. And uh, 
and it, I think it's worked for the better. I definitely mm-hmm. think uh, comic book and Marvel games uh, and the licensed games, for the most part, are for the better uh, nowadays. And uh, so, uh, again, it was it took them a long time, as you said, to kind of get it and to, to do something new. But once they did, uh, we definitely saw it hit. And I do think, you know, if you need any better example that different developers and different publishers spawn more ideas, this is it. I mean, it was never more widespread than the PS2, PS3, uh, the the two generations ago and last gen, um, where they got a lot of ideas. And so, um, you know, and we'll see. And obviously, like you said, once they get it all in one development house, you know, Marvel, Disney, and, and Lucasfilm, that whole pantheon's so big now yes. that it can still be considered diversity, hopefully. But I mean, time will tell. I but. think I think you, you mentioned LucasArts, and I think we saw that uh, when Lucas LucasArts started to crumble or become stagnant, uh, and it wasn't until they started set licensing out some of their ga- uh, properties that the game we started to see uh, the games were refreshing and inventive and not uh, iterative as they had been in the past. And I think pulling everybody back so it's going to be I don't know Disney Entertainment, which Last I knew, I think they fired everybody that ever uh, that was making video Shocker games there. for them. I mean, they got rid hell, they got rid of um, what's his name, the guy behind the the power of two Mickey games. Um, oh, uh, the guy I was supposed to interview and they screwed me over. Yeah, the guy who flew to the moon or whatever. <laughs> no, <laughs> not Richard Gary yet. Um, oh, okay, um, the guy who made uh, the original Bioshock or. No, the original no, Deus Ex, Warren Spector. Warren Spector, there we they go. They fired yeah. Spector. <laughs> they sh- they shut down the guys that made that cool racing game. I can't remember the name of the studio anymore. Um, so who do they? Ha- I mean, who's left at at Disney to take on all these all these fantastic licenses? Disney, Star Wars, and Marvel, and uh, make games. Um, you know. It'll be interesting well, to see what happens. Well, I mean, we've started to see it already with uh, with the Star Wars license. I mean, we've seen Dice is doing uh, Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront. We'll see. Yep. So, I mean, I mean, uh, Dice Dice can make a great first person shooter. We all know mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Uh, and really, do the Battlefield Four people truly believe right now that Dice they it's a good shooter but it really needs to get cleaned up and battlefront requires so much more online presence yeah but <laughs> you're, you're i'm a little start... worried about dice's ability to go online right now yeah but but at least you have a uh developer that at least knows the genre has had some success in it i mean my battle for my battlefield 4 copy is still in shrink wrap upstairs for the ps for the xbone um but um and, and you are taking one of the most sacred licenses uh, in entertainment. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, don't. Well, and fuck if they up. fuck this up, yeah, if they fuck this up, everyone's going to say this was a terrible move, mm. you know, between EA and, and 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 Disney or whatnot, and they don't want that to happen. So 
I'm hoping it'll be good. If anything, we'll see EA strip it from DICE if they don't feel confident, in it, especially after the hit they took from Battlefield. I think what that does is um, it's not that DICE needs to be more criticized or anything like that, but I think EA needs to be very careful right now with how much free reign it gives its developers. You know, this is kind of the opposite end of what mm-hmm. we said at the beginning of the generation where we were like, oh, this is so awesome. Look, EA is giving these developers so much freedom, and they had the worst financial year ever, and now they're having even more development issues. And so maybe it's time to rein those guys in a little bit more. And we've already seen hints of that with the uh, partners program being stripped significantly. Um, but uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, but with that, uh, I think we'll let it go. Um, guys, I want to thank you very much for joining me. And... First and foremost, for Marvel, where can we find you guys uh, on on most weeks talking about uh, uh, Marvel-based stuff? You can find us right here on AllGames.com every Friday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, midnight over there in the U.K., uh, on Agents of Shieldcast. Uh, the shows aren't usually live, but we will be live this Friday, and we hope to engage the chatters. And, Fred, you are welcome to join us if you get a chance to watch this week's episode. We also got a hell of a lot of Marvel movie news to talk about this week, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yes. So, uh, yes. But cramming it all into an hour, the Marvel movie news is going to play second fiddle to the episode. Mm-hmm. Although I know that's going to kill Andy. um but uh yes we uh we talk we talk the marvel cinematic universe we uh focus basically on marvel's agents of shield and the latest episode which i will be watching in about five minutes and uh yeah this week we're going to be live on allgames.com again uh seven o'clock friday night excellent excellent and then um uh, and, and Chip, where can we find you otherwise um, on other occasions? Uh, once again, right here on AllGames.com, Thursday <laughs> nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, with you, Fred. And actually, Andy's joining us this week for, yep. <laughs> for the B-Team podcast. We are video games, we're technology, we're a bunch of rowdy individuals that get together and shoot the shit every Thursday night. Um, This week is our infamous Ball Gaggies episode. (laughs) Uh, The Ball Gaggies are are our Games of the Year award show. We have a bunch of, we all run down a quick top ten of our favorite games of the year, and then we give out special awards for uh, special games that need additional recognition. And it usually ends up with all of us screaming and yelling at each other and calling each other and in, and insults flying. Yep. <laughs> and usually I'm, right. I'm usually the cause of some of that for some reason. Hating fucking Portal 2. <laughs> anyway. <I'm> <laughs> Actually, I was That's, with Chip on that one. If, if people, people often forget... Again. Uh. People often forget that I was along with Chip uh, in the theory that Walking Dead was not a game, but not necessarily. I even wrote an article about it, uh, but uh, but I didn't necessarily say it was shit because of that. But uh, anyway, but for the Walking Dead lovers, there is 42 Level 1. Andy, why don't you tell us a little <laughs> bit about your show? Well, I wouldn't say it's just for Walking Dead levels. But <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Certainly, but uh, you guys did appreciate the Walking Dead. Uh, yeah, myself and Fraser like it. Um, I don't think Ali likes it quite so much. He's eh, not so. not a fan of uh, of good things. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's what he would say about me. So yeah, so normally you can there find you me on Forty Two Level One, uh, which is live on allgames.com every Tuesday night, four thirty Eastern, nine thirty GMT, one thirty Pacific. Uh, we talk games, some TV, and I get slagged off a lot, which is always good fun. And you can also find all our old episodes on Forty Two Level One dot com. Excellent. Um, and of course, I'm GamingHistory101.com. Uh, this week, I've been playing a lot of Michigan Report from Hell, which uh, I've talked about a couple of times on the show. So if you haven't gotten a chance, go check that out on the YouTube page. Otherwise, doing articles and whatnot, and obviously the podcast. And you can go to GamingHistory101.com forward slash contact or click on the contact link in the main page if you want to suggest a show or make any comments. Also, I should point out, I'm going to start a news feed because a lot of people are getting back into retro gaming and playing a lot of games. I recently read a really good, like, played this week and reviewed this week uh, review of, like, an old Aliens game and stuff. So uh, I think it's cool to start collecting that stuff as I see it, and so I will definitely get on that. So you might see some changes to the website. If you like it, cool. If you don't like it, let me know. Um, and last but not least, I want to pimp one real quick thing. I'm not usually a big star- Kickstarter fan, but that doesn't mean that you can't be. Um, uh, Fortingard has brought up uh, that Unsung Story is a Kickstarter right now. Just uh, go to kickstarter.com and search for Unsung Story. It is a new tactical RPG from none other than Yasumi Matsuno. If you do not know who that person is, they're responsible for, uh, most notably, He's responsible for um, Vagrant Story and a little game called Final Fantasy Tactics. It was a little bit popular, mm. just a tad. So if that's your speed, uh, check it out. Uh, I'm looking at some of the rewards and stuff. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Chip, there's even going to be a card game based off of this. And those who get in early, I don't know that you're much of a Kickstarter backer yourself, but those who get in early can get their first crack at some of the cards before their release. Um, again, they're working with... a Playdeck, the professional studio, and kind of putting stuff together, um, and Humble Bundle is teamed up. So, I mean, it seems like a pretty safe Kickstarter. Again, I'm not huge on the Kickstarter thing, but that doesn't mean you can't be, and some very good games have been funded through Kickstarter. So, it's called Unsung Story. Definitely go check it out on Kickstarter.com if you get the chance. Um, and without further ado, I think we're going to call it a night. So, thank you, guys. Uh, thank you, Andy. Thank you, Chip. Thank you, Fortingard. Thank you, Jam. Thank you, Tiger Claw. Thank you, All Games. Thank you, Derek. And everybody, have a good night. Thank you, listeners. Peace. Thank you.